Steve Wozniak said, Wherever smart people work, doors are unlocked. Well, the fintech industry is brimming with smart people. Idealists, dreamers, movers and shakers who are unlocking the doors to new possibilities in the financial world. This is the Fintech Five. You've been hacked. A phrase no financial institution wants to hear. Financial loss that might not be covered by insurance depending on who's at fault. Answering to angry customers and regulators. How could this happen? How can you guarantee it won't happen again? Attempting to rebuild that hard-earned trust. Today on the Fintech Five, we talk to a hacker, an ethical hacker, that's helping companies uncover their vulnerabilities before they can be exploited. I'm Jason Henricks, and this is the Fintech Five. Joined today with Mikhail Prince, co-founder of HackerOne, a bug bounty and vulnerability platform that connects trusted hackers to some of the biggest brands and software developers out there. Thanks for joining us today, Mikhail. Thank you for having me. So I'm curious, you, know, you have accomplished a lot at a relatively young age, and you know, this is coming from someone who's often accused of being looking like he's 28 or sometimes even 38. How old were you when you started coding? Uh, when I started coding, I think I was still a kid. I was somewhere around uh, 11 years old. And uh, I kind of got into that because like many kids do when they're young, they're playing computer games. And uh, you get curious about how they make software or how they make computer games. So back then, my mom actually got a book from the local library, which I think was about Visual Basic, which helped me learn and pick up the language uh, called Visual Basic to make my own software. And from there, I quickly picked up another language called PHP, which helped me like develop web applications. And um, that was, for me, eye-opening to understand how people are making and producing software to be used on computers. So even as a preteen relatively accomplished developer, knowing multiple languages, developing web apps. When did you become aware that there was the dark side of the force over there? That's a good question. So for uh, for me, that was, uh, this was together with my other co-founder, Hackalon, um, uh, Jobert Atman. We were both learning the programming languages together. And we quickly found out that all the code we produced contained mistakes. And some of these mistakes were simply like functionality errors and bugs in the software. Uh, but a lot of them were also considered security vulnerabilities that could have been maliciously exploited by uh, somebody who knew they existed and had bad intentions. And so you decided you could build a business around that. How did you come up with that as a concept? Uh, well, uh, quickly after we found out that we uh, made so many mistakes ourselves, that was also for us an indication that we're probably not the only developers making mistakes. Obviously, we were young, so maybe we make more mistakes than professional software developers at the time. But we pretty much knew that others may suffer vulnerabilities as well. And that led us to trying to find security issues all around software we were using, uh, web services, products, all kinds of software on our computers. We were trying to find security vulnerabilities. And when you find something, you want to tell that company about the existence of the vulnerability, uh, which turned out to be a pretty big and complicated task because it's very hard to get in touch with a company about a security vulnerability and find somebody at that yeah. company to... Vulnerability is not something that most organizations or even individuals want to talk about. So exactly, how did you find those people and how did you break in to get them to listen to you? So 
a lot of our attempts are actually never heard. Um, so most of this happened over email. Of course, you try the customer support channel of that company. But of course, like the customer support team is often not equipped to understand uh, these types of problems. A pretty successful method for us was uh, LinkedIn, just reaching out to a CTO or somebody with a, a technical function at the company and just trying to explain what you had found. Well, and how'd you get them to take you seriously? Because I'm sure they're getting approached all the time with people trying to sell something, saying, you know, I'm an ethical hacker. I found a vulnerability. You know, what was your secret sauce to really get them to pay attention? That's a good question. A lot of it was just trying to be as technical as possible in our initial reach outs on, on LinkedIn, for instance, um, so that with that message alone, they could already kind of see that we were serious and that we had really found something. But then again, we also had many people never respond to us because they assume it's a recruiter outreach on LinkedIn or simply spam or something like that. So it turned out to be a, quite a big problem that we felt not only we as hackers had, but we also felt that there were many other hackers in the world that probably don't even take the step of trying to reach out because they simply didn't know how, uh, which ultimately led us to starting a business uh, hacker one. So let's talk about the financial services and fintech industry. In your unvarnished opinion, how are our banks and financial institutions doing in the cybersecurity war? Financial services and banks, a lot of these companies exist already for a super long time. Uh, so they have well-established security teams. They have pretty well-established security processes in place. Uh, but what you see is a lot of it is starting to get become more digitized. Uh, there's a, a rush to get more mobile apps in the hands of consumers, which introduces a lot of new attack service. And that is where you see a lot of the newer financial services or banks that are trying to modernize and uh, be seen as a modern bank introduce new security vulnerabilities that can be exploited. And what about fintech startups, right? These startups are trying to launch new products and find product market fit, you know, problem you yourself had to face before they run out of money. Can they actually afford to put the time and energy into ensuring that they're not creating vulnerabilities? Yeah, so it does take up time and uh, there are traditional methods for testing your security of your applications, which are time consuming and expensive, which is why I think a lot of these businesses should think about working with hackers like myself, where they are admitting, hey, of course, we make software, so we make mistakes. Mm. So if you find something, let us know. Okay. You know, let's face it, financial institutions are not prone to admitting that they make mistakes. And for good reason, because when your customers find out that you admit making a mistake, they can run for the hills and say, you know, you're unsecure. I'm going to go someone to some other institution, even though they're probably no more secure than the one that they just left. It's only that they haven't admitted it. Do you have any best practices you can share for any of our CIOs out there or CEOs of financial institutions around how do they create a culture that can adopt that kind of partnership, particularly because, as you said, hackers do have a bit of a bad rap. Of course, it's always best to approach security in a very transparent way. Like the old model is to be super secretive and super closed and do it in a closed room. Nobody knows what's happening. More modern model is to do it more transparently. And I think that actually inspires more confidence if you are transparent about your security, talking about your security and all these things. Uh, in terms of getting started, on HackerOne, we have about 900 customers or so, and a large majority of those customers don't talk about their programs with us publicly. They only keep it very private, very confidential, uh, because they take baby steps. And we also understand this. If you are a large bank and you're trying to get into this, 
Uh, you're not going to start with it right away. You're not going to tell the whole world, hey, come hack us. No, you want to take this as a very, very small step and grow from there and get all of your teams comfortable with it before you even commit to something doing publicly. So I hate to bring up cryptocurrency, but with what's been going on with Bitcoin lately, and it seems like everyone is talking crypto, crypto, even the mainstream now. What do you think yeah. of the security implications of a cryptocurrency more broadly? With cryptocurrencies, the thing is that, of course, it's become really easy to launch your own coin nowadays. It's become really easy to launch your own exchange. There's standard systems that you can simply deploy and go. And if you compare that to more traditional FinServe, those industries are much more regulated, uh, which means there's a higher scrutiny on launching something to the market. Uh, and the cryptocurrency market is not very regulated. So it's super easy to just spin something up and you have your own coin, and you have your own exchange, which also makes it easier to do it too quickly and not uh, think your security model through before you launch something to the public. So do you think there needs to be more regulation in regards to protecting the public safety given that people could spin up, they could even create a fraudulent coin, mm -hmm. they can hack other exchanges. Where do you think the industry needs to move to protect consumers? I think there definitely needs to be some type of regulation around the cryptocurrency market, uh, specifically around how security should be treated, uh, right? So in the FinServe industry, there's already regulation around notifications for breaches. If you've been breached, there's you're required to notify the, the local regulators. There's all kinds of recommendations and best practices to follow. And in the cryptocurrency market, there's none of this. So everybody's kind of figuring this out on, uh, on their own. Well, we're almost out of time, so that means it's time for rapid fire. One sentence answers to the following, please. What is the most overhyped part of fintech? Cryptocurrencies, I think. They're also awesome. Uh, and we have some of our hackers that take cryptocurrency uh, as a, as their bounty payment. Why am I not surprised by that? So what's the most underrated part of fintech? I think the, the fintech industry is much more disruptive than people usually give credit for. The traditional banks are trying to modernize and bring out mobile apps that are much more innovative and creative. Like I can unlock my bank nowadays by just looking at my phone and it scans my face. It is amazing the world we live in. All right, final question. Biggest fintech pet peeve? We talked about regulation for uh, cryptocurrencies and stuff, but I think regulation is uh, in some areas also bad. There's a lot, of, a lot of scrutiny and it can then slow innovation and disruption. Definitely a challenge uh, to protect, especially the consumers and allow more innovation to happen. I think our industry as a whole is wrestling with that, but it is great that we have ethical hackers like HackerOne in the network that you've put together that as part of the public good are putting those skills to work in order to actually find the vulnerabilities and help companies shut those down before something bad happens. Thank you so much, Mikhail Prince, for joining us today. And this is the FinTech Five. Thank you.